0: this sort of overall narrative that i want to construct like what did he say senseless acts were happening yeah senseless acts surely senseless acts happen pretty frequently in america like i do senseless things most weekdays it's also like even to the point i feel like now
1: when people are kind of trying to throw a moral panic today they will kind of list civil rights advances and they'll be like so yeah we it's it's terrible and you're
0: like wait 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 Let's go back to that original thing you said. What was that supporting? I mean, it is interesting, the idea that like one of the sort of nails in this moral panic house that he's constructing is this idea of like civil rights advancing too fast
1: well and again i feel like like the like what he's gesturing at which is a phrase i learned in grad school that's mm. what you can say when someone's not successfully making an argument or doesn't know what they're saying mm. is this idea of like things are changing and like the social or order like the sort of ironclad hierarchy that we have in this country is like there are some pebbles being thrown at it so yeah That is the work of Satan. Like, I feel like that's primarily what Satan gets accused of.
0: Yeah. And I also think that that's probably on some level operating at a subconscious level, even Mm. for the writers. I don't know if anybody would sort of admit to being like, minorities want rights, and that's part of evil. Yeah. And that's Satanism.
1: Yeah. So don't do drugs, kids, because for every drug you do... A black person will be allowed to vote.
0: There's just a general sense of anxiety that is sparked by those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. that anxiety sort of has to go somewhere.
1: And it's giving his audience a feeling. And then the people, if you're reading this and you're like, I'm uncomfortable about civil rights, but I'm not comfortable identifying as an out-and-out racist. You can be yeah. like, aha, but I am uncomfortable with Satan. And that's an appropriate fear for me to be having. Right. If you believe in, in this kind of, you know, the the kind of Christian concept of Satan as I understand it, then Satan is the seductive voice that's like, but perhaps the ironclad prescribed order, the hierarchy of power that, that this worldview necessitates, like, could it have flaws? Like, are there problems with it? And if you make that voice, the voice of like the most dangerous evil, you cannot follow him a single step without losing your soul type of monster figure in your faith, then you also essentially you render sinful any act of questioning an ideology that, you know, could be being enacted in some pretty dangerous ways. Who knows?
0: There's also, I feel like dominant groups can never admit their own dominance because the next step of that is humility. Yes. Right. Like if you realize like we control most political institutions, we control most cultural institutions, you then have to be like, well, uh, maybe the people that are pushing back against us have a right to speak. That's the next step of that acknowledgement. Right. So what you have to do as a dominant group is you have to cast threats against you as existential and cast things that are kind of harmless or low stakes or don't matter as threats. You know, Christians do this, like white people do this, like mm-hmm. this is the tool of dominant groups throughout
1: time. To put yourself in a feeling of assumed vulnerability so that you don't have to think about how dangerous you potentially
0: are to others. We're dominant now, but it could all come crashing down at any moment.
1: Yeah. So we have to be like extra careful hoarding our resources.
0: Exactly. There's no event that can happen that would make you loosen your grip on power.
1: Okay. So this is, so this is the, you know, this is 1965. Tensions are coming alive. And Mike Warnke is on his way to his first satanic ritual. The appointed night came. I was picked up and delivered to a really nice home on a hill in the plushest neighborhood of Redlands, California. It was a fantastically beautiful place, high up, with a patio that overlooked the whole city. I could see the lights like a field of softly glowing diamonds. The city of Redlands. The party guests were around 20 years old, but at first I hardly noticed them. I was gawking at the house, huge rooms, the best furniture. How weird were the pants, Mike? I know. (laughs) know. (laughs) How nice was the furniture? There's no time. Keep it (laughs) moving. When I did take time out to notice the people, there were 19 or 20, and they all looked as if they fit the place perfectly, like jewels in a matching setting. Confident faces, good poise, easy talking, clear, happy expressions— The world's problems were no big thing to them. Honestly, these people sound like Mormons to me. Yeah, they really do. So first they just sit in a circle and smoke pot together. Okay. Soon the fellows were snuggling up with the girls. And then they split off in couples. It was great because there was a girl for every guy. Not like most places I had been where there was a chronic chick shortage. Okay, Mike. As I was saying, they started pairing off in couples. Only I do not mean going anywhere. They stayed and did it right there they were not engaged in just conventional lovemaking either (laughs) they did things that even i had not heard about before or even dreamed of in an lsd fantasy
0: what is he talking about there's a finite number of things you can do and like most people have done all of those things i
1: think he means and i've thought about this a lot (laughs) i think he means that they were touching each other's butts
0: Like, be specific, Mike. (laughs) One writer to another. This
1: is how you write a conversion narrative. Like, you have to implant the thought of weird sex stuff in the reader's mind, but not explicitly give it to them because then you're still holy or something. Yeah. Come over here, Mike, a blonde said near the beginning of the whole thing. I could hardly believe it. It